It's Wednesday, August 14th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. This week, the Trump administration released new details on the rules for getting a U.S. green card. We'll dive into how this affects legal immigration and whether it signals a greater shift in the nation's immigration policies. Then, New York's Child Victims Act aims to bring long overdue justice to survivors of child sex abuse. We'll give you the details. And finally, there's a housing crisis in Berlin. For bees, we've got the buzz. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is brought to you by Rothy's. The most complicated story today is about changes to America's immigration rules. This isn't about the border or asylum. It's about legal immigration. This week, the Trump administration announced plans to crack down on who can become a permanent resident based on whether they use certain government welfare programs. The White House says it wants to encourage immigrants to be self-reliant, but opponents of the policy see it as an attack on poor immigrants, those who could benefit most from a path to U.S. citizenship. So today we're going to get into what the new immigration rules say, whether they're part of a bigger shift in U.S. immigration policy, and how other countries wrestle with these same issues. On Monday, the administration announced that new immigration rules would go into effect in October. Here's Ken Cuccinelli, who's the acting director of U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. President Trump's administration is reinforcing the ideals of self-sufficiency and personal responsibility, ensuring that immigrants are able to support themselves and become successful here in America. But this rule isn't entirely new. It's an expansion of an old rule, referred to as the public charge rule. So what is that? Well, for more than a century, the U.S. government has reserved the right to deny entry or a visa to anyone who might not be able to support themselves and who might depend on the government to take care of them, a public charge. And how the government has treated the whole public charge concept has changed over the years. In the 1800s, the term was used alongside other groups of people the U.S. said it wanted to exclude. Quote, all idiots, insane persons, paupers, or persons likely to become a public charge. Yep, a U.S. law really said that. Flash forward to the 1990s, when the Clinton administration decided that a public charge is someone who relies on cash welfare, like the Temporary Assistance for Needy Families program. This new rule expands that list of criteria. It says that people who could or do rely on welfare programs like food stamps, Medicaid, or housing assistance may be blocked from getting a green card, which is a key first step to becoming a citizen. The Trump administration says it's not all services. Non-citizens can still go to food pantries or homeless shelters or get help paying for children's health insurance without risking their shot at a green card. But the details are complex. And there are concerns that people might not get the services they need if they're afraid of not being able to get green cards. And that scaring them away from receiving those benefits not only denies them something they potentially help pay for with their taxes, but it could also lead to gaps in things like health insurance coverage. In their statement, the White House claims that large numbers of non-citizens are taking advantage of the welfare system and jeopardizing the social safety net needed by vulnerable Americans. They've cited a report that 58% of all households headed by a non-citizen use at least one welfare program. But a 2018 study by the libertarian Cato Institute paints a different picture. 
Cato says that counting heads of households is misleading. Using census data and information from the Department of Health and Human Services, it found immigrants are less likely to use welfare benefits than people born in the U.S. And when they do, they use fewer. People critical of the new policy say it's part of a bigger effort to reduce legal immigration overall and change what immigrants to America look like. They point to President Trump's leaked remarks in 2018, in which he reportedly said, why do we want all these people from Africa here? We should have more people from Norway. But it's not just offhanded remarks. In 2017, President Trump proposed cutting legal immigration in half, in part by limiting family-based immigration, when immigrants already here are able to have family members join them. He's spoken out against the diversity lottery program that awards U.S. visas to people from countries with low rates of immigration to the U.S. Here's what he said this month at a rally in Cincinnati. You pick people out of the lottery. Well, let's see, this one's a murderer. This one robbed four banks. To be clear, that's not how the lottery works. Back in May, Trump also proposed prioritizing a merit-based immigration system. That system would favor highly skilled workers, people with advanced degrees and valuable job skills. In their statement, the White House said this point-based system would boost the number of immigrants coming in based on their skills from 12% to 57%. Trump called it the Build America Visa. That idea isn't new. It's one of the major differences between the U.S. and other wealthy countries when it comes to immigration policy. For a long time, the U.S. has put a lot of focus on family-based immigration. Data from 2011 published by the Crossroads Immigration Project found that 45% of all U.S. visas went to people who already had relatives in the U.S. In Canada, only 13% of visas were family-based. In the U.K., just 8%. Instead, both of those countries give out a lot more visas to people looking for work. And just this week, a report from the International Trade Group, the OECD, called Canada a role model on immigration policy, praising it for focusing on immigrants with language skills and useful work experience. And back in his speech in May, talking about his merit-based system, President Trump pointed to Canada, too. So what's the skim? The White House says the new public charge rules won't go into effect retroactively. So anyone who's accessed social welfare programs in the past won't be negatively impacted. But there are concerns it could mean a change to some old American values. In an interview earlier this week on NPR, Ken Cuccinelli, the U.S. immigration official we heard from earlier, was asked about the poem on the Statue of Liberty. You know, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. Here's what he said. Give me your tired and your poor who can stand on their own two feet and who will not become a public charge. Like a lot of immigration laws, this one is facing challenges in the courts. Two counties in California are already suing to stop the new rules, saying they're arbitrary and dangerous. They say potentially scaring away immigrants from accessing public services doesn't just have a negative impact on those families, it could also hurt their communities too. Coming up, a new law in New York could allow victims of child sex abuse a long overdue day in court. At The Skim, we're busy. That's why we love Rothy's, the everyday flats for life on the go. They come in a wide range of colors and patterns, with new ones launching all the time. Plus, they're made from recycled plastic water bottles and are fully machine washable. 
With comfort, style, and sustainability, these are the shoes you've been waiting for. Check out all the amazing styles available right now at rothys.com slash cadence. Head to rothys.com slash cadence today. That's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash C-A-D-E-N-C-E. A new law goes into effect in New York today that will open the door to hundreds, possibly thousands, of child sex abuse lawsuits. The law is called the Child Victims Act. It gives child sex abuse survivors more time to sue their abusers. Here's victims advocate Marcy Hamilton when the law passed earlier this year. This is a historic day uh, in the state of New York and a long overdue victory. Until now, survivors had until the age of 23 to sue their abusers or bring charges against them. That's because of the statute of limitations. But experts say it can take decades for survivors to come to terms with what happened to them and decide to pursue justice. So what does this new law do? It gives survivors more time to come forward and seek justice. For felony charges, they'll now have until they're 28. And for misdemeanor charges, 25. But the biggest change is for civil lawsuits. Survivors will now have until they turn 55 to sue their abusers or the institutions that supported them for damages. And the state also added what's called a look-back window. It gives people of all ages one year to file child sex abuse lawsuits in cases where the statute of limitation has expired. That year kicks off today. And some major institutions are sweating, like the Catholic Church, the Boy Scouts of America, and some big public and private schools. That's because of allegations that have come out in recent years. And it's not just claims against priests, troop leaders, and teachers. It's also claims that these institutions protected alleged abusers. When California passed a similar law in 2002, there were around a thousand cases, resulting in over a billion dollars in settlements. When Minnesota enacted their Child Victims Act in 2013, multiple dioceses filed for bankruptcy. New York's governor says the Catholic Church has been trying to block this new law for more than a decade. Now, the church is preemptively suing its insurance company to make sure it has help paying out money to victims. So is a hospital in New York, where a doctor allegedly abused patients for decades. And the Boy Scouts of America is already considering filing for bankruptcy. Earlier this year, attorneys claimed that thousands of Boy Scout leaders may have been abusing kids for years. One more recent case that has people's attention? Jeffrey Epstein. The multimillionaire was accused of abusing and sex trafficking dozens of girls. His suicide this past weekend brought the criminal case against him to an end. But with this new law, a woman in New York brought a lawsuit against Epstein's estate, his longtime associate, Ghislaine Maxwell, and three members of his staff. So what does this law mean for similar cases around the U.S.? This year, there's been an especially big push to pass laws expanding the statute of limitations. Legislatures in almost 40 states have tried to pass similar laws, and 18 plus D.C. succeeded this year alone. One of them is New Jersey, and the state is expecting a similar wave of lawsuits when its law goes into effect in December. So student loan debt has been a hot topic lately especially with 2020 Democratic candidates. Here they are in the recent Democratic debate. It cancels student loan debt. 
for 95% of the kids with student loan debt. We can make it more affordable and we can expand a public service loan forgiveness program. And then for that school teacher who in many places like Texas is working a second or a third job, full forgiveness for her outstanding student loan debt. Today, 44 million Americans have student loan debt. They collectively owe nearly $1.5 trillion. And paying off student loan debt is a huge burden. According to a report released this week from the New York Fed, more people are struggling to keep up with their payments and going into default. The NY Fed warns that this kind of thing could be bad news for the economy. Which makes sense. When people have more debt, they're less likely to go out shopping for something like a house. And if you're thinking that this only affects young people, think again. The fastest growing group taking out student loans are 60 or older, with a lot of them doing it to pay for their kids' education. We've got more on the debate over student loan debt and the business of getting into college in our guides and notes features in the Skim app. You can download it from your app store. Before we go today, we've got a fun fact coming to you from Berlin. If you think you're feeling a little out of place, bees in Berlin can sympathize. They're dealing with a bit of a housing crisis right now. So beekeeping is kind of a big deal in Germany. And with all the worry about climate change causing bees to die out, a lot of people are now taking it up as a hobby. But these amateur beekeepers are part of all the buzz. Their lack of experience is being blamed for beehives getting overcrowded, leading bees to get so fed up that they fly off in huge swarms to find new homes. And these bees are settling into places that are a bit antisocial. Think inside motorcycles, traffic lights, and doorways. And they swarm in the thousands. So it's freaking people out. And now professional beekeepers are volunteering around the clock to try to move these bees to safer homes. Maybe if you're thinking about doing your part to save the bees, just get some proper training first. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks for listening, and we'd love for you to subscribe and rate and review us online. For more Skim, check out our premium content on the Skim app to include our recent audio deep dive on the business of getting into college. You can also sign up for our free morning newsletter, The Daily Skim, on our website at theskim.com.